Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one righteous page of Talmud a day. What does this word righteous even mean? Who is a righteous person and, and what are righteous acts? Is it okay to sin for a righteous cause? These are the incredibly poignant and moving questions at the heart of today's pages, Yevamut 102 and 103. We jump right into the action. Have a listen. The Gemara elaborates on what happened when Sisra, you may remember that story in the Bible, the king who was slain by the hero made in Ya'el, when Sisra was in Ya'el's tent. Rabbi Yochanan said, that wicked man, Sisra, had sexual intercourse with Ya'el seven times that day. As it is stated, at her feet he sunk, he fell, he lay. At her feet he sunk, he fell, where he sunk, where he fell down. This is from the book of Judges 5.27. Each instance of the terms sunk, fell, or lay in the verse indicates an act of intercourse as Yael sought to tire and weaken Sisra to enable her to kill him. The Gemara asks, but how could Yael do this even for the noble purpose of killing the wicked Sisra? As she derived pleasure from the transgression of licentious sexual relations with a Gentile. Rabbi Yochanan said, in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, every act that is a benefit for the wicked is a disadvantage for the righteous, as a righteous individual gains no pleasure from this so-called beneficial act. So much depth and mystery and beauty there that today we had to call in the big guns. Uh, and so it gives me pleasure to welcome back to the show one of my absolute favorite writers and thinkers and educators and, and human beings. Straight out of Yeshiva University's Strauss Center, Erica Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Leo. Um, it's always a joy to, uh, to wake up early to theological conundrums um, and, to, and to spend some uh, time with you. I'm also sort of bewildered by this. I've been bewildered by it for decades. Uh, it's a, the concept of an avera lishma, a sin that is done, you use the term righteous, but a sin that's done for its own sake is gadola uh, me mitzvah shalo lishma. It's greater than a, a mitzvah, a commandment that's done without any intention let's, whatsoever. Let's, let's slow this down a little bit just to kind of unpack. This is mind-blowing. In other words, uh, the principle is that if one, like Yael, sins, commits something that we all agree is, uh, you know, a, a sinful act, but purposefully and out of the intention to do some good, tis greater than someone just, you know, performing a mitzvah without even intending to, without even just kind of like on, on the off chance. Yeah. And so there's, I mean, there's a lot to analyze. First of all, there's a lot to analyze in the Yael story. Um, you might say, well, at least Sistra died doing what he loved. But but the the assumption, even the question, would Yael get any benefit from this? Or would, would there be any kind of, if you like, um, sexual enjoyment, um, and that's that's a question that that uh, that preoccupies us outside of the Talmud. Also, um, you know, is it, does a woman receive any kind of sexual gratification from rape, which is which assumes that one could 
dissect and take uh, take the act and all the the physical act and all the emotions around that act and separate them. I think we understand that any kind of forced sexual encounter, certainly something like this, where a woman used her wiles in order to um, to seduce Sisra and and eventually and and kill him for the sake of killing him, um, that her mind wouldn't have been on the sexual act, but her mind would have been. Uh, purely on the murder. How could she do this? How could she get away with this? Uh, And by the way, Yael is not the only woman that's put in this category. Um, Esther was put in this category. Tamar was put in this category because uh, Tamar seduced her father-in-law in in order to have a child. So the commitment to progeny and, and, and continuity eclipsed the ex, eclipsed the, the the sexual act here proto incest so you could you, this this concept isn't uh, limited as as you know Liel, to to this story but it's a really tricky thing and you can imagine that this concept that one could do a transgression for for good good intent or for righteous purpose and how that might have catalyzed people sitting all over the place and saying ah, you know I, cu- I couldn't help myself I, I I I did this for the benefit of the Jewish people. In fact, Rav Chaim Belajan in, in his book Nefesh Chaim says this is a trick of the Yetzirah to do an Avera L'Shem Shemayim. So this is the, the evil inclination playing tricks on us and, and justifying this kind of behavior. The way I like to look at this, Leo, and understand it is this can't be a justification moving forward for, for one's behavior. I am doing this with the mindset that I'm consecrating it for a divine purpose. I think it's the way that the rabbis looked retrospectively on transgressive behaviors that uh, they couldn't understand at the moment, but had long-term beneficial effects. And and perhaps one can look at one's own behaviors. Sometimes the the errors that we make, the errors of judgment that we make, sometimes even significant errors, but we look back as... Uh, learning opportunities as measures of growth, as ways in which we have uh, matured uh, through the process of mistake-making. That is so profound and so moving that I feel almost uncomfortable asking you to kind of break it down to to the more earthly realm of advice. So as we look at this at this example of, of Yale's, uh, are, are there any sort of you know practical takeaways that we could take, any kind of behavioral advice, uh, intentionality guidelines that we could uh, sustain in our own far less dramatic and you know king-slaying lives uh, that would help us get through the day with a little bit more of kavanah, a little bit more of intention? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because I, I think you look at these dramatic uh, situations and crises that happen during wartime, and then they have to be analyzed afterwards. And and sometimes that analysis doesn't happen for for dozens of years, if not longer. Uh, a, 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 you know, after an event, and you say, well, what what? How do we process an event like this, like the the death of uh, the death of Sistra? Because it was a time of war. Everything feels different, and I think the rabbis were aware that behaviors during crisis have to be analyzed, but in some way also have to be forgiven. And so I guess, you know, if I were to take, you know, break up these dramatic sort of events into little pocket-sized nuggets, I I would go back to this, this notion of judging oneself and others retrospectively rather than the judgment that they make at the moment. We know when you're in crisis 
that you go into sort of emergency thinking. And some of that thinking is misguided, but, but we, we forgive you for that thinking because you, you had no, you had this, these, you use the tools, the limited tools that you had in the moment. I think that's true for all soldiers at war. And I want to look at Yael as a soldier of a different sort in, uh, in, in, in a war that was violent against an enemy that was a constant oppressor of the Israelites, the early Israelites. But I think we're all in a, we're all in a battle, Liel. I don't know if you feel that, but, uh, you know, every day there's a certain battle quality to getting up and armoring yourself for some of the day's worst news um, and some of the worst character traits in ourselves. I think the news has been particularly bad lately, and so that, that requires uh, even perhaps a heavier armor. As we put on our battle gear to work our way through the day, perhaps at the end of the day, we look back and say, you know, I, I made this mistake, uh, but here's what I learned from it. Here's how I processed it. Um, here's how I can turn it into something good. I think the rabbis were, were genius at acknowledging the role of transgressive behavior and the constancy of tshuva, of repentance. And the way that we process things, the mindset, we can beat ourselves up for the things that we do wrong, or we can say, is there some righteousness in this act? Um, Rav Cook says beautifully in Orat Chuvah in the Lights of Repentance, that the moment one names a sin, one has already begun the process of repentance. The very naming of the wrongdoing, uh, because we have the capacity to name wrongdoing, begins us on a journey towards change. And so I think, I think that's something to carry with us every day. I do. I feel this daily battle uh, too, uh, which is why I am so deeply grateful uh, to fight alongside such great commanders, leaders, and thinkers as you. Dr. Erica Brown, thank you so much for being our guest. Um, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll join each other on the battlefield. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.